are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right. So there's uh, lots of energy in the place today. It's really fun really fun. Now that the kids have gone, uh, I think we have some folks that would still like to have a seat. Are you guys looking for a seat? Is that yes? Would you raise your hand if you've got one or two seats next to you? There's two right up here in the front. Best seat in the house. The last will be first. You guys need any, anybody else need a seat? There you go. There's seats up here. So good. So good. Hey, wasn't it um, a great treat having Robbie Dawkins last? If you missed that, catch him on the. Yeah, he he's he was just uh, he brought boldness, didn't he? And uh, did anybody just feel like a little extra surge of boldness this week as they went out? Yeah, I did too. I had a I had a. Um, in the morning, I was trying to pray, and one of my clients, just his face kept coming to me. I knew I had a meeting that day, and I, I just sensed the Lord saying, share your faith. Well, sometimes that's hard in a business setting. How do you go from business into, do you know the Lord? And I, I, I felt a little, ah, how's this going to go? But Robbie Dawkins said, let's be people of faith. And one of the most profound things he said is, the end result really isn't, the result, it's the obedience. The testimony is the obedience. And so that it's not necessarily whether they get saved or not or healed or not. Or the, the test is heaven invades earth when you're obedient. And so uh, fortunately I stepped out and said, hey, are you a follower of the Lord? And we had a great conversation. Obedience says every time we're obedient, he comes. He comes. So I want to... I want to end in a, a place uh, of, um, we're going to end in a place of hope today. I've just, have you sensed hope flowing through the songs and the declarations? We're going to end in a place of hope. But I thought starting this new decade, I had a picture of me doing this and I had a picture of you in your own time, in your own, sometime in the next week or two those of you joining me. And I saw us with one of those big pieces of chalk that the kids play with on the concrete. And I saw us drawing a line about six feet in diameter, a circle. I was going to do it up here, but I thought they might like me, not like me messing up the carpet. And so there's a six-foot diameter circle we're drawing. I'm going to restate. These things I know. How about at the beginning of the decade, the beginning of the new year, a new decade, you decide, these things I know. Got a little clip I want to show in just a second. It's one of my, uh, it's a favorite movie. You've all seen it. It's Rudy. And Rudy, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's talent challenged on the football field, but he's got the biggest heart you've ever seen. And he goes out there trying to get, somehow get into Notre Dame, which is not an easy school to get into, and then somehow get on the football team. And he's just at the end of his ropes, and he's sitting down in the church on a pew, and one of the priests walks by, so if we could uh, clip this, I'm sure you've seen it. Maybe I haven't prayed enough. I'm sure that's not the problem. Praying is something we do in our time. The answer's come in God's time. Have I done everything I possibly can? Can you help me? Son, in 35 years of religious studies, I've come up with only two hard, incontrovertible facts. There is a God... And I'm not him. (laughs) 
So if that priest was drawing his circle, he said, these things I know. He'd have put in that circle, there's a God, and I'm not him. But I hope we know a little bit more than that. And I just thought I would share with you some of the foundation blocks that I'm putting in my circle, these things I know. They may not be yours. They don't need to be yours. And integrity says don't put something in the circle if you don't really know it. I've had some friends that are said, I'm, there's this term floating around the church a little bit lately, I'm deconstructing my faith. That makes me sad, actually, when I hear it. Because what it's telling me is maybe you put something in your circle you really didn't believe. And you're having to kick everything out of the circle and start over again. When I think about deconstructing my faith, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I got 40 years of building this thing. I don't want to go destruct it. If you've, if you've ever built a house, let's say you were fortunate enough 40 years ago to buy a lot on West Paces or West Wesley, one of these fancy Atlanta neighborhoods. And you bought a lot 40 years ago before it got crazy expensive and you got a deal and you built a home on it and that home had a great foundation and it had great bones and it had great lines and it was classy and you had updated it and now it was worth millions. It was the perfect location, the perfect house. Yeah, every once in a while needed a little paint, every once in a while you need to call the plumber. But you wouldn't go deconstruct it. You might add on. You might repaint it. But you ain't going to deconstruct it. And so I'm going to share with you just some of the things that are in my circle and encourage you to build your circle, your foundation, your foundation of faith. Yesterday we had a pretty bad storm at our house in Alabama. We've got a little house in Alabama. And I was loving the fact that I knew the builder had built it with a great foundation and it was strong. And it could survive that storm yesterday. It picked up, it picked up one of my little uh, loungers there. It was about a 100-pound lounger picked it up and threw it 50 feet down the lawn and broke it. So that was a storm. Yep. Nothing really profound to add to that. Just missing my lounger. We're singing, He is Good. On my foundation world, on the foundation of my circle is he is good. I stole some of my wife's little cork, what do they call these? Coasters. You could do this. Steal your wife's coasters and make the foundation of your faith. So he's good. Psalm 145.9 says he's good. He's sweet. He's kind. He's good. And I can't put this in the circle unless I'm going to believe it and never change my mind. It says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. But don't say yes and put this in your circle. These things I know. If you're not sure yet. But if you're going to put it down, don't take it out. No deconstructing going on here. And so he's good. Let his praises fill the temple, for he is good. I told the Lord I'd start worshiping before I preached, and I almost forgot. So will you help me? Just sing with me. Let his praises fill the temple, 
for he is good. Let his praises fill the temple. Let his praises fill the temple. Let his praises fill the temple. For you are good. As you're singing, can you just sense almost almost like an incense, our praises? Filling the temple, going up to the nostrils of God, and he's just saying, those are my kids. And the angels gathered around like, wow, they're really worshiping. The praises are filling the temple of people who really believe and know he's good. Another thing in my box is Genesis 1.27. You're made in his image. He made Adam in his image. Adam and Eve, he made them, male and female. Now, made in his image means a whole lot. It means that he cast the stars in the sky and the moons and the planet. He raised Mount Everest. He went to the depths of the oceans. He made a lion. He made a bear. He made an eagle. And when he got to you, he said, you're the crown of my creation. I'm going to make you in my image. It's pretty powerful. If you don't believe it, don't put it in your foundation circle. If he says, I'm making him in my image, in the Garden of Eden, it's such an amazing thing. Because in that place, he walked with Adam. He conversed. They were intimate together. Their needs were met. Made in his image. It's pretty powerful. It also says there's no room for prejudice. We're all made in his image. There's no room for prejudice if we're all made in his image. If you think you're less than, you're not believing the word of God. I'm made in his image. It's in my circle. It's in my foundation. He's sovereign. He's in charge. He's God and I'm not. Isaiah 55, 8. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. He's the boss. When we get in a disagreement, I defer. Hopefully I defer quickly. Job 38, verse 4. The first 37 chapters of Job are worth reading. There's a lot of whining going on. There's a lot of friends' advice going on. There's a lot of pontificating. There's a lot of people's wisdom. There's a lot of man wisdom why Job was in the situation he is in. 37 chapters God was forbearing. 37 chapters he said, I'm listening. 37 chapters God kept his mouth shut. And then finally said, Gird yourself like a man, Job. I got a few things to say. There are a few questions I have for you, Job. Like, where were you when I laid out the foundation of the earth? When I threw Orion in the sky, what were you doing, Job? When I told the waves to stop right there and go no further, what were you doing? Probably good for all of us to read Job through 38 and 39 every year. It's pretty humbling. He's God and we're not. He's sovereign and we're not. When he says yes, we say yes. I know he's sovereign. I know he's good. I know I was made in his image.
in Isaiah 61. He said, I came for the hurting. I know God cares about the hurting. When Jesus laid out his inaugural address, when he opened that scroll, Isaiah 61, that had been written hundreds and hundreds of years before him, and he opens it up and he says, I've come for the broken. I've come for the weary. I know his heart is for the poor, for the hurting, for the downcast, for the separated. Somebody, you, you came today and you said, I'm at my last rope. There's a lot of excitement in the room, but I'm hurting. It makes me feel good to know that when God showed up on planet Earth, his first words were, I've come for the weary. I've come for the hurting. Let's, let's read that together, Isaiah 61. It's really a chapter that defines our church together, our church. When people say my church, I say it's our church. When they say your church, I say it's our church. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. If there was no proof that our faith was true, no proof like Jesus resurrected, no proof like the Holy Spirit resides within us, no proof like millions of people have been reformed by this message. If there was no proof and it was just, catch me, don't misquote me here, It was just a philosophy like other philosophies. I'd still join. Because the leaders, the compassion, I'm about the afflicted. I'm about the hurting. I'm about the broken. Tell me other, any other faith that starts there. And if you're coming here today and you're hurting, and you feel like you're at the end of your ropes, I'd say it is a day of hope. It is a day because you stand before when the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when God put on human flesh and became incarnate, his first words, I've come for the broken and the hurting and the poor. Now, there are proofs of our faith. There's a hundred prophecies about Jesus that all came true. Doesn't take much faith to know it's true. But I love the fact, I love the fact that we serve an Isaiah God that came for the broken. Matthew 10.30 says, He knows the hair on my head. It's always a challenging verse for my bald brothers. But. And it says he knows me. In Psalms, it says, his thoughts towards you are like the sands of the sea. Can you put in these things I know that you feel known? I hear some people come to churches sometimes and, and this church sometimes, oh, I don't, it's hard to get known, it's hard to get known. Every church I've ever been to, someone has said that. But if I come in knowing that I'm known by the king, if I come in knowing that he hears my cry, that on my most excited day, he's there celebrating with me. And on my most down day, he's hearing the cry. He knows me. 
His thoughts toward me, I really believe, are more than the sand of the sea. And he knows every hair on her head. He knows me. I don't even know all the hairs on my head. I don't know the hairs on Lindy's head, but he knows me. Can you put that in your foundation? When I was a 17-year-old hippie kind of kid in Colorado Springs and walked into a little church, a bunch of hippies praising God, I sensed the presence of the king. And someone began talking about the gospel in Romans 10.9. says, and someone was speaking to that 17-year-old kid, if you believe, You'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And if you'll believe with all your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John 3.16, same. And this verse became real to me. A kid who'd never been to church, but something inside said, I know I'm saved. I know there's arguments about once saved, always saved, or lose your salvation. I know there's truth's intention. But for me, I just decided once saved, always saved. That sounds better. So <laughs> I'll be saved based on Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with all your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And like a good father, I don't think he's looking to reject me anytime soon. You get to remain a son. You get to remain a daughter. The prodigal dad wasn't figuring out a way to disown his kids, the one that was religious or the one who ran off. In fact, his love stayed strong and he was looking for their return. So if you're in a backslidden state, he hasn't said no to you. He's looking for your return, longing like the prodigal. Prodigal means extravagant dad, the extravagant dad that was waiting for the son to come home. Another verse that came real to me, alive as a 17-year-old kid who knew nothing about the Bible, was Romans 8. You've heard me talk about this verse because it means so much to me. Romans 8, verse 15. For you've not received a spirit of slavery, plug in your name. For you've not received a spirit of slavery, Steve. Leading to fear again, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Papa, Father. You've not received a spirit of slavery. You've received a spirit of sonship. This is the miracle of the gospel. Like he came for the broken and he intercepted you out of your death and he brought you into life. You were tied to the first Adam and he took you away from that connection and said, I'm going to connect you with the second Adam. That's Jesus Christ. Everyone's in the first Adam or the second Adam. Everyone's in Christ or not in Christ. And as the gospel grows in us, our heart for the lost grows. We're either in Christ or not. We're in first Adam or we're in the second Adam. And as we realize that, our heart goes out. And as we fall in love with Jesus, we care about the things he cares about. And he cares about the lost. I've not given you a spirit of slavery, but I've given you a spirit of sonship. And from that place of sonship, you cry, Daddy, Abba, 
Father. And I felt this verse become real just weeks and months into knowing him. And it's never gone away. The spirit of sonship. He's called you a daughter of the king, a son of light, a daughter of the day. Do you know it? And I put it in my circle. These things I know. These things are non-negotiable. It's a lot of talk about constitutions and all kinds of businesses talk about their core values and their mission statements. Churches all the time, we have one. It's awesome. It's powerful. But what about yours? What about your constitution? What about your non-negotiable? What about your core values, your mission statement? Start the decade with yours. These things, I believe. I know from worshiping you with thanksgiving and praise, we gain entrance into him. Psalms 100. Let's go there real quick. Anybody know it by heart? You Bereans, shout joyfully all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. He is the one who's made us, not we ourselves. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. You enter into his gates with worship and thanksgiving and praise. This thing I know. And finally, he says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is magnificent, and he only does big things. This I know. The Holy Spirit is magnificent. He hovered over a formless world, and creation came forth. He hovered over that. He hovered over an empty tomb, an empty grave, and Jesus was resurrected because the Holy Spirit is magnificent and he only does big things. He resurrected Christ. He is in you, says every believer is sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians, and he's in you because he's magnificent and he only does big things. These things I know. And so I was thinking about mental health lately and how to keep our minds on Christ healthy and good. And I ran across this verse, and it's um, Romans 5. If you'll turn there if you have your Bible. In Romans 5, verse 3, it says, And not only this, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. And not only this, it says, we exalt in our tribulations. Honestly, it's hard to exalt in tribulations, right? Usually when a tribulation comes, I'm trying to get out of it. I'm trying to solve the problem. I'm trying to repent. I'm trying to get help. I'm trying to get breakthrough. But the Apostle Paul here is saying he reached a point where he exalted in tribulations. Think about where Paul came into the kingdom. He came in in a lower place than any of us. He was killing Christians. He came in from a tougher spot. And he somehow, through all of his life, if you go to 2 Corinthians, it talks about how he was beaten with 39 stripes on five separate occasions. 
He was shipwrecked three times. That always gets me like, shipwrecked three times? Like, I think it's the first time I'm not getting on a ship anymore. <laughs> if, if you'd been shipwrecked twice, if you'd been in two airplane accidents, are you getting on an airplane again? No, you're getting a sozo like every other week. Delta flies over and you're getting tweaked. I got to get a sozo. This, this guy gets three shipwrecks, 39 times. He's 39 beatings, five times. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians 11. If you're feeling sorry for yourself, I'm going to make you feel really bad right now. Because sometimes we just need to buck up when you think like a guy like this. Second Corinthians 11, 24. Five times I received the Jews' 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers from false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and in thirst. Getting the point? Often without food and cold and exposed. Apart from such external things... There's the daily pressure that all the church's concerns are on my shoulder. Wow. Now catch this. This is PhD level faith. It's not kindergarten. It's not high school level faith. PhD level faith. I'm not telling you I've got this one totally down. But they catch the spirit. Can you catch the heart of the Apostle Paul when he says, I actually exalt in tribulations. What I don't hear in there is woe is me. What I don't hear in there is self-pity. What I don't hear in there is people owe me. What I don't hear in there is a victim mentality. In fact, as I'm reading it, I'm, uh, the Holy Spirit is just convicting me like, have you laid it all down? Have you laid it all down, all your hurt? Um, he said, put it all down. If he could go through that and have no guile, no self-pity. It's not the only place in Scripture. You see it multiple places. And he, it's, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I was in the insurance business for 35 years. They they have this thing called 1031. It's basically 10 prospects, three open cases, one sale. It's almost like a science. What they're not saying is that nine people said no. <laughs> 1031 means nine people said no. And if I've had 3,000 people say yes, does that mean 30,000 people have said no? I've been rejected by more than all of y'all put together. <laughs> Do you think in some of those 30,000 there might be a chance to get your feelings hurt? There is, it's personal. Being a pastor is even more. It's even more personal. But the Holy Spirit's looking at me like, you hadn't done 
anything like Apostle Paul. I mean, it's kindergarten compared to him. And can you feel his power, his strength, his resolve, his purity, his life? Can you get to a place where you exalt in tribulations? Because he's seen the other side of it. Let's go back to Romans 5.3. This is beautiful. I, I just feel like I caught a glimpse of it. It's, it's powerful if you catch it with me. We also exalt in tribulations. He has a right to say this. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. I was talking to one of you yesterday and I said, how did you get through that? really tough time. He says, I just kept showing up. I just kept showing up. I didn't break fellowship. I just kept showing up. Even when it was hard, perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. Isn't that what we want? Character. To take on the character of Christ. Christ formed in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us and our character so much that we actually emanate the fragrance of the Lord. Multiple times in scriptures it says, your fragrance is like a fragrance, an aroma, a perfume to the believers. And something different to the unbelievers. And I just saw us inside our these things I know. I saw us worshiping people of praise, people of worship, people of extravagant worship, walking into our tribulation like person of like Paul, who saw the end of the matter, at the end of the matter, through perseverance and character, there's actually hope. Hope. He could feel the hope in him, like, I carry hope. That's the expectation of good. That he's gone to prepare a place for me. That my life ends in good. Because I've been called by the Holy One. Before the foundation of the world, he knew me. And he loves me. And my sins are forgiven. And I was made in his image. And he's got a plan for my life. And I'm not saying there won't be tribulation. But if the Apostle Paul can say, man, it ends up in hope. The message says it really nicely. So good. <clears throat> and I look at so many different versions. But one of them, and I can't find it, was basically saying they're bringing out the pots and grace is being poured in. It's so great. If you can get through this, if you can get it, it's like that. It's like when he turned the water into wine. There's just the Holy Spirit's just overflowing in pots. It's cascading down like love. And the Holy Spirit's just speaking like, get over your bad self. Get over it. If he remembers your sin no more as, as far as the east is to the west, will you forgive yourself? If the Apostle Paul can walk through all that tribulation and say, man, I ended up in hope and I can feel the grace of God just cascading down. Are you willing to go for it? Sounds better than the alternative. 
So I hope you would join me in this little exercise sometime on your own and build your circle about these things I believe. And I thought we'd end with a song and I've asked, asked the band to come up. And I've asked Kim and Marie Joy to step inside this circle that I've created. And they're going to dance. And I'd like you to just, uh, as they get going, if you want to come dance or do you want to stand or you want to sit. We're going to seal this message. And if something spoke to you, then you rejoice, you worship, or you dance. You do something that says, I'm in. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a chain breaker. He's a hope restorer. He is life and life abundant. He's the author of hope. He restores hope. He's the mighty one. He's the holy one. He's the sovereign God. He's the boss. He's right, and I'm wrong. But when I get lined up with him, it's all good. And things fall into place, and he seems to blow on the wind, and he makes up for lost time. He's the restorer of the walls. He brings us back. He's the way maker.
give the Lord a shout. Give the Lord a shout. Give the Lord a shout. Well, this is a, a great atmosphere for miracles to take place this morning. So we would love just to invite you, if you're, if you're looking for a miracle today, just in your body, in your emotions, in your, in your mind, uh, we'd love just to partner with you in prayer. We did, uh, when uh, Vanessa was, was praying over, uh, just declaring that, that this is a year for people to get pregnant, we'd love to partner with you just in prayer. Uh, I did see the Lord healing uteruses. I, I, I heard the Lord just healing different areas with our, with our sexual organs. And so, we, again, this can be sometimes uh, there's just, ah, there's a point of extreme mourning that comes. So we just love to partner with you in that, just to see God do some great things. Uh, there also the Lord's healing uh, some people with some joint pain. So if you have joint pain, I'd actually love you to test it out right now. Just raise your hand if you have joint pain. And I just felt like the Lord was doing something there. So I don't know if it's just in the hands, the knees, the legs, just any part of your joints. I'd move that around and I would just test it out right now because you can just, I love it when there's an atmosphere of miracles and I love it when we pray for miracles. So there's two separate things. Just test it out right now. Test out that pain. Is anything going on with any of you? I'm just in your joints. Just wave your hand at me if something's going on right now with your joints. Thank you, Jesus. 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 There's also something going on with somebody's stomach right here that the Lord's healing. So, uh, Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.